is Kenny Pickett going to be enough to make this team a viable playoff team? Based on one week, no, he's not. But this team will go as far as he takes them. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with my buddy Kurt Popejoy. It's the Steelers Wire podcast. We're powered by the USA Today Network and available wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you listening. We hope you subscribe, leave a review, stick with us for Steelers football commentary all season long. And um, honestly, nobody in the business gives more honest commentary than Kurt Popejoy. And uh, that's why I'm excited to talk to you this week, Steve, uh, Kurt, coming off of <laughs> this uh, just really rough opener for the Steelers oh. in week one, right? Like what surprised you most about the way the team came out and performed week one at home against the uh, Niners? I mean, I think that the the easy one was just how bad Kenny Pickett played. And, and, you know, everybody wants to criticize Matt Canada and he ran a jet sweep on the second play of the game and, you know, the internet lost its mind and, yep. but Matt Canada did not make Kenny Pickett throw behind those guys all game long. I mean, his timing was just off all game long. Didn't matter if he had pressure on him. Didn't matter if he, he was under, he was better under pressure um, <clears throat> throwing the ball. And so, I think as bad as the defense played, the the performance by by a guy that we watched play literally perfect football in the preseason, most of the time it gets starting defenses. Now, granted, we know preseason isn't as live as as the regular season, but to go from literally perfect football to what we saw last week was just remarkable to me. I, I you know, I. I when he when he underthrew a couple of guys and he had a couple of guys slip and fall on the on the field and you know it it created some problems for him but he was just off I mean he just didn't have it and and you know Ben Roethlisberger on his podcast said that he sometimes you just don't have it and there's nothing you can do to to bring it around that they're just just days like that are going to happen and Pickett had his in week one and hopefully we don't see another game like that this season yeah sticking on that topic because as you said kurt like so many people were on the the picket bandwagon coming out of preseason yeah. right i mean there just wasn't any room on the bandwagon you know you try to get on there you yeah. push people out of the way there's no room on no, the wagon yeah. no there, tickets left yeah there's room now people are jumping off the wagon after this performance oh, yeah. right oh yeah how about you Did, yeah. does does this performance change your perspective on the steelers quarterback maybe change your perspective on the Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett, you know, tandem or, or whatever that relationship between the two, um, or do you just chalk it up to a really bad game against the worst opponent? Because the 49ers, if you're, if you don't have it against the Niners, you're going to get blown out. Uh, they're just that you're good dead. on defense. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where I'm at. I, I am not, I'm not, you know, you know, turning on Kenny Pickett and saying he, he's not going to have it this season. He had, you know, sort of a, a combination of, every bad thing that could happen. He, the team came out and the defense couldn't stop San Francisco. They got behind. Um, Deontay Johnson gets hurt early in the game. Um, You know, all these things are just kind of going wrong. And if, if we learn anything from this game, it's that when you, when you roll a roster over the way the Steelers did, it's going to take some time. And I think if there's anything that me personally, I think I underestimate or maybe overestimated how quickly all these veterans could get on the all these new veterans would be on the same page. And I think that's really what we saw you know go wrong 
uh, on Sunday, and I, you know, maybe more so on defense than on offense. But you still saw some of that on offense. The there were some mistakes on blocking um, on the left side, and you know, we all thought that Isaac was going to be the guy that was going to solidify that left side, and he had some struggles. Um, you know, Allen Robinson played okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that Kenny Pickett's still going to have a really good season. I think he got caught up in the perfect storm of everything that could go wrong. Trying to come play from behind against a, a defense like that is just that that's just, you know, the worst possible scenario for a young quarterback. Um, and so I expect him to play a lot better. I, I expected him to play better last week, but I really do think he's still going to improve as the year goes on. But as I wrote uh, last week, is he going to be enough? Is Kenny Pickett going to be enough to make this team a viable playoff team? Based on one week, no, he's not. But this team will go as far as he takes them. The rest of the things, you know, all the injuries, all that other stuff, at some point Kenny's going to have to own the fact that this team belongs to him and – as far as well as he plays is as well as this offense is going to play. And last week, you know, you saw George Pickens on the sideline mad. Um, you know, those guys, you know, I, I, I talked about this early in the week, you know, that sort of growing discontent when you have these young kind of egotistical skill players that want the ball, they're going to, they're going to fire all their venom at Pickett and how he responds to this is going to be key in, in sort of how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, it's fair commentary for sure. And, and you know, he seems to have the head on his shoulders, right, Kurt, to handle all that. Mm-hmm. He always yeah, says the right yeah. thing. He always looks the part out there. Um, uh, it's never it's never Kenny Pickett's demeanor on the sideline that you're questioning. Uh, no. But, yeah, it's, it's, it is going to be interesting to see how he handles a week like this and tries to bounce back. Another tough opponent coming up with yeah. the Browns. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that one here. But, you know, the Steelers came into this one, I think, as confident as you could come into a game. Steelers fans were confident. We were confident. Everybody was confident yeah. about the Steelers, uh, yeah. even though it was a tough opponent. Um, they wanted to start fast, as you probably, as you said in your in our preview episode last week, Kurt. You called that. You said they want to start fast. They have to start fast. They they win the toss. They elect to receive. They come out. They go backwards. Uh, yeah. Kenny Pickett sacked on third and five, and then Presley Harvin shanks the punt. And it's just a brutal yeah. way to start the game. You, you've mentioned the defense though a couple times. The defense, obviously, they let up points on that short field after the, the Steelers shanked the punt, and then they yeah. also let up points on the next three drives: field goal, touchdown, field goal. And the Steelers, meanwhile, are either turning it over or going three and out on their on their end. Yeah. So it was just a brutal start. Are you looking at the defense? Uh, if any unit was going to kind of go exchange blows with the 49ers, you'd expect it to be the Steelers' defense. And I know Cam Hayward got hurt. We'll talk about that. But was that a was that the bigger letdown the defense rather than Kenny Pickett in the offense in your opinion? It it was definitely the one that I I was surprised more by perhaps because like I said I think I really overestimated you know five new starters or four new starters on defense I I think I did overestimate how quickly they would all be ready to play together and you could look at that and go maybe they should have played more in preseason you know maybe they would have been more on the same page, but you saw defensive linemen cut out of position at times. You really saw that once Cam Hayward went out, you know, his influence on, on communicating that, you know, the, what the fronts and that sort of thing you saw, you know, this, this group of new linebackers made a lot of tackles, but oftentimes they were well downfield. 
you know, I think a lot of people get kind of caught up in the box score and go, oh, Landon Roberts had seven tackles and Quan Alexander had eight. Yeah, but they were eight, 10 yards downfield every time. You know, they're not they're not meeting these backs in the hole and making stops. They're chasing Christian McCaffrey down, um, you know, after they after he's already moved the sticks. And so then you look at cornerback. I mean, I think that Patrick Peterson probably had to be pretty disappointed in his debut, gave up two touchdowns after he ran his mouth and said he was going to get an interception because Brock Purdy had tails and, you know, he was going to do all these things. And then, you know, Peterson's on the wrong end of two of his two of his scores. Um, the the new safeties, you know, they were rotating Neil and Kazee in and out and I don't, neither of them played particularly well. And so I think there was just a lot to do with the new guys um, and just where they fit and communication and, you know, Joey Porter Jr. said it today. He said, they didn't do anything we didn't expect them to do. We just couldn't do anything about it. And that's that's really what it came down to. Yeah, that's a telling quote right there. Yeah, Brock Purdy surprised yeah. me a little bit. He's got, I'm in yeah. the Brock Purdy corner now. I mean, that dude, I, I, if I wasn't sure about him, but now I can see why Trey Lance was shipped out of town. <laughs> that yeah, dude, he that is, dude could ball. He plays with some grit, boy. Yep. He, you know, he's the Scott Skiles of the of the NFL. He's he's a gutty player. He he took some hits on that elbow. I mean, yep. he took some hits, and every time you wondered. Is that the hit that's going to put him down? And he just kept coming back for more. I mean, it, Pittsburgh got heat on him. They they slapped him around a little bit, but man, he never wavered. He never did. No, pretty uh, pretty good performance for that kid. And he sliced up the Steelers, yeah. no doubt about it. And yeah. Uh, so two big injuries in this one. You mentioned we've mentioned mm-hmm. both both Deontay Johnson, Cam Hayward. Uh, let's get to Johnson here in a minute. Cam Hayward. Uh, it, it's. Yep. It's not the same as the TJ Watt week one injury last year, Kurt, because there's just TJ Watt's his own animal. He's on his own planet. But the Hayward injury to me does feel similar in that you can't replace his production, his leadership on the yeah. field like you were just talking about, his communication. Um, I saw on Steelers Wire that the the guys on the field were having a hard time with the crowd noise, which you know made yeah. me shake my head. But it just shows you oh, where they're at with some of their new personnel and, and the overhauls on the roster they made. Now it's even magnified with Hayward stepping out of the lineup. Uh, what's the best in-house solution to fill this void? I know you guys have been working about on on articles about mm-hmm. this very topic on Steelers Wire. What do you think are the best in-house solutions here, um, in short order, week two and beyond? Right. I think I think what they're probably going to do is they're probably going to play the rookie Keanu Benton more. He had a really strong game. Um, I think he was the second or third highest graded rookie from Pro Football Focus last week. Um, he, he, when he came in, he did a really nice job on the inside that would allow them to maybe move Larry Ogunjobi out some, I think Isaiah Loudermilk is probably going to be the guy who's going to take most of the snaps. He had a pretty strong game replacing Hayward. He's, he's got nice pass rush. He knocked a couple of passes down. Um, you know, you've got DeMarvin Leal who was really good at the end of last year, um, was good in training camp, really didn't do a whole lot in preseason. We'll see if he's he's able to to fill in there a little bit. I'm sure they'll probably um activate um Braden Fihoko, a guy that probably should have made the roster. They'll probably bring him in. He's an interior guy, but he will allow them to to move someone outside. You know, the Steelers, their their defensive linemen are kind of kind of interchangeable parts. They, they run that three-man down line, and everybody's about the same height and weight. So you can just kind of 
you know, shuffle guys around a little bit, but it's, it's not going to be the same. It's, it's not going to be the same guy. Um, you know, the, Hayward is just too good, especially as a pass rusher. That just puts more pressure on Alex Highsmith, who lines up, you know, on that side of the ball. They're probably going to put him in more pass rushing situations. Last week, they dropped him in coverage a little bit more. I expect him to probably put Highsmith up on the line a little bit, um, and and you know, let him let him do his thing, and and try to get that because I think pass rush. You know, pass rush while controlling an elite back. I know we're going to talk about the Browns, but a lot of what you're going to see Monday was what you saw last Sunday from from Cleveland, like you saw from San Francisco. So the plan isn't really going to change. They just have to execute that plan a lot better. Now, just scrolling around looking for different, you know, different hot takes on the Steelers leading up to the show, Kurt, because <laughs> I like to do that to see what people are saying, writing about. Oh yeah, I don't know if this is just for clicks, but. Some people are saying, you know, Akeem Hicks and, and Dominican Sue. These are guys that are yeah. some of the bigger name free agents that are out there. Free others, agents. others try to lure JJ Watt out of retirement to come oh, join yeah. the Steelers. Any yeah. chance they go outside, or do you think Tom, Tomlin seems pretty confident in the guys they have? Yep, I think they're gonna. They've got two defensive linemen on their practice squad that were on the team right up until cuts, and I think they're gonna roll with what they have. Like I said, I think they'll bring Fahoko in off the practice squad. He's a, he's just kind of, and I think I honestly, I, he was, I, I lobbied for him to make the team over Armand Watts. Um, I think he's a lot stronger run defender. Obviously we can't know for sure, but I feel like had he been in there on those run plays, he does a lot better job kind of controlling the line of scrimmage. So I expect him to play um, Jonathan Marshall. I think's the other defensive lineman. I don't, I don't see him signing anybody. I think they would have done it today. I think if they were going to bring a free agent in, it would have happened today. You know, this yep. is their big their big day for practice. Um, all vets got yesterday off, so today's the big day. I think if they were because they they at they signed uh, Des Fitzpatrick, the practice squad receiver, brought him up. Um, you know, they moved Cam to IR today. They they released another practice squad player. Um, so I I think it would have happened today if they were going to sign a veteran. I I have no problem if they can get. Indomitian Sue on a cap friendly deal and let him come in there and rough people up for a little few snaps a game. I'm okay with it. I just don't, I don't see Tomlin panic, you know, the, sort of a panic knee jerk kind of, kind of move like that. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, so you, we mentioned uh, Deontay Johnson going down as well. Hamstring, hamstring injuries all over the NFL right now, Kurt, everywhere, yeah. everywhere you look, there's Crazy. hamstring injuries to key players. Deontay's one of them. Cooper cup, Jerry, Judy, the big left tackle for the Giants went down and their game collapsed on the field with a hamstring just over and over, all over the place, hamstring injuries. It's a problem in the NFL. It definitely is. The Steelers are, are feeling yeah. it as well now. Uh, so yeah. you mentioned George Pickens pouting on the sideline a little bit or pissed or whatever mm-hmm. that he wasn't getting the rock. Well, yeah. it's time yeah. to officially unleash the picket to Pickens pipeline, right? It's time. All the people waiting oh, for it absolutely. in fantasy, everybody <laughs> clamoring for it. It's time, right? This, there's yeah. no time like the present. Pickens to pick uh, Pickett to Pickens. Let's Let's go. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, there's, there's no reason not to target him at this point. You know, I mean, he's going to be their guy, him, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do with the starting lineup to replace Deontay Johnson. I assume they're probably going to move Allen Robinson outside, um, probably use Calvin Austin out there a little bit. Um, and then they'll kind of rotate one of them will play inside, want to play outside again, but Pickens is going to be the guy. They have to find ways to get him singled up. 
you know, you, you load up the left and, and stick Pickens out there by himself on the right and just Randy Moss it, just throw it up there to him. I mean, it's, you know, you throw the ball in the air. I mean, he, he can draw, you can draw a penalty. He can make the catch, you know, that, that they've just got to feed him the football and, and see what happens. Because again, Johnson's day to day, he has no, there's no timeline on his return. He could be back in two weeks. He could be back in four weeks. You know, like you said, hamstring injuries are kind of weird, especially with guys who their whole game is built off that burst off the line of scrimmage. And if you don't have a, you know, if your hamstring's not going to let you do it, then, then you're no good to anybody. And so, um, again, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a group effort to figure out how to replace Johnson's production. But I think they just, I think Pickett has to just immediately look to George Pickens and go, look, I'm going to feed you the football and we're going to make this happen. Yeah, for sure. And and the difference between Deontay Johnson and, and Pickens is, is interesting, right? Because Deontay, we've criticized his hands a little bit. He's had tons of problems with drops, right? Uh, yeah. But he's always open. He's just unbelievable at getting open. I don't think Pickens is the same mm-hmm. kind of player, right? He's not going to have the same separation, but the dude can make these circus catches. And if the ball's anywhere near yeah. his hands, he, he snatches it. So they're very they're interesting the, they're, players. They're different. Yeah, absolute opposites of one another. You know, I, last year, no receiver got open more than Deontay Johnson, and no receiver had a higher catch rate than George Pickens. So, and they were both near the bottom of the of the opposite category. They are they are the absolute antithesis of one another. It's it's crazy. It is. And I'm just real quick. I know Antonio Brown offered his services to the Steelers, Kurt, but I already saw on Steelers Wire you weren't you weren't buying that. Yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you, <laughs> Antonio. I appreciate I appreciate your loyalty. You know, but no, thank you. We're, we're okay. <laughs> We're going to be okay. It'd be some good content, Kurt. Oh my gosh. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> it would be, I, it would be interesting seeing him and Tomlin on the sideline barking at each other. Oh, Antonio ripping off his pads, running around, whatever he was doing. I feel bad. I would feel bad for Pickett the first time he missed oh, him on a throw. Yeah. <laughs> he would just, he would just attack him on the sidelines and scream and, you know, break out into his next single or whatever it might be. And I just, no, thank you. We'll, we'll be okay. Yeah, we we'll will. be okay. I don't want it, but part of me kind of does just for, just for, the I know. Just for oh, the I'm sure there's lots of people outside the Steelers that would love to see Antonio Brown back on the Steelers. <laughs> just Absolutely. not Mike Tomlin. Just not Mike Tomlin. Exactly. Yeah. He definitely doesn't. <laughs> All right. So Corey Bonini is going to give us our, his week two fantasy advice. I have a feeling George Pickens, he might be in that. Uh, must start mm-hmm. category. I'd, I'd put him in my lineup if I had him. So here's some uh, week two fantasy advice and Kurt and I will be back to break down Steelers Browns in week two. I'm Corey Bonini of the huddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number two. Quarterback Anthony Richardson, Indianapolis Colts at Houston Texans. While the Texans held Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson to practically nothing both aerially and on the ground last week, Baltimore found success rushing the ball, which is something we're not convinced you'll see from Indy this week. Richardson should be the team's leading rusher, and he has a strong chance of scoring at least one touchdown with his legs. Passing-wise, however, it's fair to be leery of the rookie's maturation in only his second game, but all he needs is something around 230 passing yards and a touchdown strike to augment his rushing success for a quarterback one finish. Running back Jamal Williams, New Orleans Saints at Carolina Panthers. In week one, no defense gave up more fantasy football success to running backs than Carolina, a unit that was only mediocre at slowing the position last year. On Sunday, the Saints had a tough rushing matchup versus Tennessee, and Williams' numbers suffered as a result. He is poised to produce at least 100 combined yards and one touchdown against a defense that permitted 177 total yards and a trio scores to Atlanta running backs last weekend. Wide receiver Elijah Moore, Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh Steelers. 
More tied to Murray Cooper with seven targets last week, suggesting the former New York Jet has a real chance of blossoming in this offense. Pittsburgh gave up two scores to Brandon Ayuk last week, and this was the fifth weakest unit at slowing the position in PPR scoring. At a minimum, Moore should be treated as a quality flex play, especially in PPR. Tight end Cole Komet, Chicago Bears at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Komet was good for a modest line of 9.4 PPR points on his five catches for 44 yards in week one versus Green Bay. Tampa has struggled at times in the last few years of containing the position, including in week one when this unit surrendered a league-high 11 catches, although for just 67 yards. Volume rarely is part of Komet's game, so consider him a little bit volatile, but he still has tight end one upside if you're in a situation to gamble. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back to Steelers hosting the Browns here in Week 2, Kurt, part of the NFL's Week 2 Monday Night Football doubleheader. Uh, along with a NFC South matchup between the Saints and the Panthers. So I'm looking forward to Monday night. Steelers are uh, two-point underdogs to the Browns. They look pretty solid in week one, huh? They shut down the Bengals. Yep. Browns won 24-3. I had to three. a chance to go back and, yeah, I had a chance to go back and watch that. That was a pretty good effort. I mean, they didn't put up big stats, but, yeah, that was a that was a good effort by the Browns. So what do you, what's your leadoff take on this matchup? Uh, they split last year, the Steelers and the Browns. They seem mm-hmm. to play each other tough. The, the Browns... No matter what's going on over there, they always play the Steelers tough. We always know what's coming with these matchups. I, my thoughts, just like if the Steelers aren't like snarling and raring to go for this one at home against a division opponent in their weight class like the Browns, it's like, I, I think it's like you joked about this preseason, Kurt. I texted you. I said, oh, boy, these Steelers look pretty good. And you said, yeah, I agree. And that's why they're probably going to go 6-11, and 11, right? And yeah. <laughs> we might be on our way if they go back-to-back losses at home, uh, including one to the Browns, well, right? So they, they got to be ready to go I mean, for this one. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot on the line in this game. You know, I, I don't think people want to want to own the fact that Mike Tomlin's never made the playoffs starting 0-2. So the Steelers have never made the playoffs under Mike Tomlin with an 0-2 start. So just just a little history, you know, a little little bigger piece of history. Last time the Steelers lost to Cleveland at home was 20 years ago. Last time the Steelers lost at home on Monday night was 32 years ago. <laughs> All of those things could fall on the same night. Wow. All those, all that could fall like a house of cards in one night if they let Nick Chubb do what Christian McCaffrey did. And I guarantee you, Cleveland watched that film, and their offensive line is going, "Yeah, we can do that." Yeah, you know, we can we can push that group. No Cam Hayward, we can push that group around up front. We can get Nick Chubb 129 yards. Yeah, we we can do that. You know, we'll we'll we we got no problem bullying bullying that defensive line just the same way the Niners did. And I think that's – if I'm the Steelers' offensive line or defensive line, I'm going – you know, when I watch that film, they need to look at it and go, okay, we know this is what the Browns are going to want to do to us. And so how do we correct what we did wrong last week? Because yeah, if I'm Cleveland, I'm just I'm just feeding – you know, you talk about fantasy starts, eh, I might well start Nick Chubb. I mean, I'm just saying honestly, if if he were on my team, I'd probably start him this week for sure. So if you're benching Nick Chubb for any reason, I'm going to slap yeah, him. You for anything. I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if, I, I'd start him against the Niners, and that defense yeah. is crazy good. So yeah. yeah, for sure. But this, uh, so I think this line opened Steelers as a one point home favorite. It's now flipped to them. I think it flipped to them initially as a one and a half point dog. It's gone to two. It's gone to two and a half. I think for, last I checked, it was two. They're two point dogs, Kurt. Uh, I got I got kind of talked myself into liking the Steelers here. You know what I mean? I just you just mentioned Nick Chubb. I think a big reason the line flipped in the Browns' favor probably not 
only because of week one and the way those two teams looked, but because of the Hayward injury, I think that's huge. The injuries. The injuries are huge, and it's not just the two big ones, Johnson and Hayward. I mean, Fryermuth took a shot, right? He's banged up. There's a couple others on the injury report. I mean, we're uh, looking at a rookie left tackle, maybe. Yeah, getting his D- first NFL start this week. Yeah, we haven't even no, looked. I mean, we haven't talked about left tackle, but Dan Moore, well, not good, <laughs> not good, Kirk. Well, good. and and he might be the starting right tackle this week, and Miles Garrett may be staring down Broderick Jones. Oh boy, yeah. So, I mean, and we're not you, sure what to expect for, there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They apparently they've played both sides in practice this week. That Dan Moore's played some right tackle. He's played some left. I'd have to think as bad as Dan Moore was, they're going to want to leave him on the left side just because of Miles Garrett. I I don't think they want Broderick Jones' first NFL start to be lined up across from him. So, you know, but either way, we we're probably going to have we're going to have a rookie rookie offensive tackle starting against a really good Cleveland defensive line. I mean, there's a lot of things that injury wise. I mean, you're looking at if Fryermuth doesn't play. Is it is it Darnell Washington time? You know, are we going to finally see them find a way to get him the football? Wouldn't hate Connor it. Connor Hayward, you know, I mean, you know, where's that where's that going to go? Um yeah, it's it's it, it's it's one of those games that in week 14 you can you look at a matchup like this and and expect it, but you do not expect this in week 2. You know, you don't expect week 2 trying to piece together your starting lineup uh in a must-win game. And that's that's kind of where Pittsburgh finds themselves right now. Yeah, and because it's such a big game for the Steelers, and I agree with you 100%, I think you start off the season with back-to-back home losses like this, including one in the division. That's mm. tough. That's going to be a tough one to bounce back from now. I wouldn't put anything past the Steelers and their ability to get back in it. They always seem to, but um, if they lose right. this. But I'm, I'm worried about that. I want to I want to talk myself into the Steelers, but I'm a little worried. Uh, I'm worried about the injuries on the Steelers, Kurt. I'm worried about Jim Schwartz and that Browns defense. Mm-hmm. You know, I just... I yep. think he's a good coordinator and he can scheme it up. And I, I, I think the Browns might have the better quarterback right now. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah. Obviously, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So talk me into it. Talk me into why I should pick the Steelers I, in this ballgame. Man, when I, when I wrote about the opening line, I felt like it was pretty generous to only have Pittsburgh be two and a half point underdogs, okay. you know, given, given what had happened in week one, the fact that we've now got Cam Hayward out, Deontay Johnson out. Um, you know, you got you got two other starters limited um, in Thursday practice. It's hard for me to think that that Pittsburgh is going to win this game, and I'm not sure they're going to keep it close. Um, that they just got to play a really slow game. You know, they've got to they're going to have to find a way to run the ball and play some pace if they want to keep it within that line. And I I don't know if they get behind. Then they can't, and that's what we saw last week. I think they wanted the, you know, they could have kept it within a touchdown or ten points. You know, coming out of the halftime, I think they felt like last week they had a little momentum, and then you know the Niners go down and immediately score and just negate that touchdown they got right before the half. I think if Cleveland comes out and gets a gets a ten point lead, all bets are off. I, I don't I don't know where Pittsburgh, you know, where where their offense comes from at that point. Yeah, I agree with that. I guess the one thing that I could talk myself into on the Steelers side is that that style of play you're talking about might this this opponent might be a good one for that kind of style like this. The Steelers yeah. could make this a, a backyard brawl, low scoring mm-hmm. type of deal, right? Yeah. I don't think the Browns are the kind of team that's going to put 20 points on the board in the first half like the Niners did. They're just not that kind either. of team. I and even Chubb, I mean Nick Chubb's probably the 
the best all-around running back in the NFL, but I don't think he's breaking 65-yard touchdown runs like McCaffrey did. I, I think they're going to want to be a little more methodical too. Yep. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think if they can stay – if the if the score can stay fairly low, if we can just maintain the – you know, keep the bleeding in check through the first quarter or so, then, yeah, that's probably their best bet to keep it close. Well, folks out there who like to bet, um, you know, there's some trends going in the Steelers – direction now the trends don't take into account week one and the injuries on your team kurt but the trend says that the steelers <laughs> they've won three of the last four meetings they've gone three and one against the spread in that span and the steelers seven and three against the spread across the past 10 games in this series with the browns so they're also at home and they're dogs so yeah. if you like the trends yeah. maybe you could talk yourself into picking steelers plus two in this one at home what's your official pick kurt you got the browns do you think the browns have the moxie I'm, to I'm walk in there and win i'm taking I'm taking the Browns. And unfortunately, when at the start of the year, I picked, I picked the Niners in Week One, and I picked the Steelers to beat the Browns in Week Two. But right now, with all the injuries, um, unless unless they come back and Fryermuth's healthy and Acorafor's healthy, I think Cleveland's probably gonna gonna pull off a win here. Um, yeah, that's hard to say. I, I don't, you know, like but like you said, the trends. You know, we talk about trends, and I I I wrote about this real quick here um you look at the history between the browns and the steelers and everybody's like oh man the steelers own the browns blah blah, blah. remember ben roethlisberger's gone the, the the last 16 years of of dominance has been because of big ben you know he has owned the browns during his career so it, when you look at that the biggest factor for for those streaks against cleveland just like that haven't lost to cleveland at home in 20 years well 15 of those years they went against Ben. And so I think we all have to kind of temper our expectations when it comes to looking at history. Um, this is a, this is a whole new team. No, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. And I think I wrote in my notes, my pick is the Browns as well. I just think uh, if the Browns can run the ball with Chubb, that's that kind of sets up everything they want to do. And the, the 49ers had no issues rushing the ball, as you said earlier, Kurt. And I don't, I don't think the Browns are going to have a ton of trouble rushing with Chubb with Hayward out. Uh, I think they're going to see that as an opportunity. And and again, the quarterback. I just think Deshaun Watson more experienced, probably a better quarterback. They got the better quarterback. Yep. Uh, they got a good run game. Their defense can disrupt and and probably cause some problems for the Steelers. So it's it's not shaping up to be a fun game for the Steelers. But uh, you know, no. now no nobody's going to be picking them this time, Kurt. So maybe they'll come out and surprise. This seems to be the Steelers' mo. There you go. Play <laughs> mad. <laughs> Play mad. That's <laughs> there it is. So you got uh, an extra day to prepare on Steelers Wire, right? What are folks going to be seeing yep. on uh, Steelers Wire over the next few days and even Sunday? Well, I think I'm going to dig a little deeper into the matchups because I think that's where a lot of this game is going to happen. You know, line of scrimmage. You know, where who, you know who who matches up better with who? Because I'm sure that's what the coaches are looking at. You know, where can we where can we win at the line of scrimmage? And so we're gonna we're gonna dig in on a lot of that. We're going to dig a lot in on the reserves, you know, some reserves that we kind of like to see get some more playing time this week. Love to see Joey Porter on the field more than seven snaps this week. Um, love to see, you know, Benton on the field more. Love to see Darnell Washington playing more. Um, you know, we're going to we're going to talk a lot about things we would probably do different. And that's probably why I'm not an NFL coordinator. But we're <laughs> going to try. We're going to try. 
Well, Kurt's going to do his best impression of the uh, offensive coordinator or NFL coordinator yeah. right there on Steelers yeah. Wire. So yeah, check out his stuff. Yeah. Kurt's Like I said, Kurt is honest. He's going to give you his honest opinion on the game. Even if he thinks the Steelers are screwed, he's going to let you know it right there on Steelers Wire. Uh, so check that out and check back with us weekly. We'll be back each week to break down what we see and what's coming up next. Uh, so for Kurt Popejoy, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll catch you next time. Yeah.